0: Bitcoin is a trillion dollars in crypto capital and trying to turn that into productive capital so that people can actually deploy it into smart contracts. People can build interesting applications, use cases, decentralized exchanges, stable coins around Bitcoin. It's like a no-brainer. At the same time, this is not the Bitcoin narrative that a lot of people grew up with. Bitcoin is digital gold. It's only meant for like hodling. And they have spent so much of their time hating all the experiments that are happening outside of Bitcoin, that when they start seeing similar experiments happen within Bitcoin, there's a natural kind of like negative reaction to it.
1: Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW. It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. The Breakdown is sponsored by NYDIG and produced and distributed by Coindesk. What's going on, guys? It is Monday, December 27th, and we are back with another episode of the Breakdowns End of Year Extravaganza. On this episode, I'm joined by Muneeb Ali. He's the co founder of the Stacks Protocol as well as the CEO of Hero. Now, Stacks is really interesting because it is deeply invested in the Bitcoin ecosystem but has a very different take on how to build on Bitcoin and what Bitcoin can be used for and where it fits in this larger system, as opposed to some of the more dominant views you'll hear on places like crypto Twitter. I think especially in the wake of a year where we had Taproot go live and where there's never been a more growing conversation about things like DeFi on Bitcoin, I'm excited to share Munib's perspective on these and other issues. All right, Munib, welcome back to The Breakdown. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. So listen, this is, uh, like I was just telling you, one of my favorite series of the year, really fun chance to think about uh, everything that made 21 so interesting. And so let's kick it off by asking you the question, what was the most significant story in the crypto industry in 2021?
0: I think for me, uh, it would be the rise of Solana. Like not just the rise of Solana. I think what I mean by that is that before that happened, like before this year, there was a lot of kind of like sentiment in the industry that Ethereum is the only game in town. Whereas there are so many people who are building other types of smart contract platforms. And I think it was really the rise of Solana and then some of the other newer blockchains like Avalanche and others that by the end of the year, suddenly it's like everyone has taken a U-turn. Like instead of thinking that there is only going to be Ethereum, now everybody believes in a multi-chain world. And I think that a multi-chain world is also a more decentralized world. Like it's actually better to have 10 really strong and really different smart contract platforms than just one of them. So I, I do think that this year uh, it really solidified that there are going to be several different types of smart contract platforms out there.
1: So this is this is super interesting. I think that there's definitely no way to argue that sort of the layer one battle wasn't a huge, huge part of the crypto industry this year. I guess just a follow up question, because I'm interested in your take. Does the average crypto industry participant still view this as a zero-sum battle between these kind of layer ones, or is there some start of a sense that it's just different chains make different trade-offs that could make them well-suited for different use cases, I guess is, is how I would put it.
0: Yeah, I think some people definitely still have a zero-sum type of mentality. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm mostly from the Bitcoin community. I know there are a lot of people in Bitcoin who still have a zero-sum mentality, and I, I, I try to change that. I think we have actually seen some zero-sum mentality from a bunch of the Ethereum fans as well. But interestingly, in my experience, in, in a lot of the newer L1s and the newer projects, I think they are much more collaborative. Uh, They're much more friendly with each other, and they kind of like see... This as a growing pie, a growing ecosystem. And they would much rather try to grow the pie for everybody instead of having having this like zero-sum type of mentality. So interestingly, I feel like some OGs have more of a zero-sum mentality than some of the n- newer players, which is which is a very interesting sign. And very healthy sign as well.
1: The sort of cynical, but also I think not unreasonable human psychology take is you know, you, you love the thing that made you rich kind of a phenomenon, you know, like I sometimes wonder how much that has to do with it.
0: Sure. I I definitely think like, you know, like for example, you know, if you spend time in the, in the Bitcoin community and there's a lot of, uh, narrative around, Hey, Bitcoin is the only kind of like real asset. Everything else is kind of like, don't even look at it. And if you, if you track down where this message is coming from, this message is coming from people who sit on a lot of Bitcoin. Like I was fortunate enough to be early in Bitcoin as well, but I think I've tried very hard to remain open to new things that are happening in the industry. And and in fact, like spending a lot of time and energy on bringing some of those really interesting use cases to Bitcoin itself. But I think it's very easy to, uh, if you were early on on a project and you're actually sitting on a very large bag yourself, it's very easy to then uh, become complacent and basically start saying that, hey, everything else that's coming up, like it's not very interesting. Everybody should kind of like stick to the original protocols.
1: So you live in an interesting space in some ways relative to a lot of folks in that you guys have chosen to build on the Bitcoin ecosystem, but are definitely stretching it, right? And you have people who are super excited about that, but also you become the recipient almost of more ire from the, the sort of hardest core. Like how, how have you found those lines and how have you kind of reconciled them?
0: Yeah, so I think what we have done, uh, for those who are not familiar, is if you look at Ethereum or Solana, uh, they have smart contracts right at layer one, right? So what we're doing is on on the Bitcoin side, it's a two-layer solution. So Bitcoin is the money layer. So it's decentralized, durable is the money layer. And then there is a separate layer, which is the programming layer, and that stacks. And I really like the decoupling of the money layer from the smart contracts layer, right? Because the smart contracts layer can change and adapt and can have new features, But we never need bitcoin to change or we never want any modifications to go to bitcoin so interestingly i think from one side it's the most obvious thing ever right bitcoin is a trillion dollars in crypto capital which is mostly just sitting there passively and trying to turn that into productive capital so that people can actually deploy it into smart contracts people can build interesting applications use cases decentralized exchanges stable coins around bitcoin it's like a no-brainer right In, in hindsight You know, people will look back and be like, that was the most obvious thing to do. Why would you just let, you know, a trillion dollars of capital just sit there passively? But at the same time, this is not the Bitcoin narrative that a lot of people grew up with. Like they're growing up with the narrative of like Bitcoin is digital gold. It's only meant for like hodling and you're not supposed to kind of like do anything else with Bitcoin. Right. So that's where some of the friction comes in. And when people are coming in and saying, hey, we want to build new stuff on Bitcoin. And they have spent so much of their time hating all of the experiments that are happening outside of Bitcoin that when they start seeing similar experiments happen within Bitcoin, there's a natural kind of like negative reaction to it. Interestingly, I think like I feel a lot of those uh, people are actually a loud minority. And there's a ton of support for Bitcoiners in general. I actually think that the majority of Bitcoiners already own other assets, right? Like if you look at some of the surveys and the data that has been done, I think a lot of people own Bitcoin and other things as well, right? Like I'm a, I'm a Bitcoiner. Most of my kind of like positions are in Bitcoin, but I definitely hold other assets. And I feel like the ones who are more on the extreme side tend to be the loudest as well. And I think sometimes that that message gets more amplified than, than maybe it represents reality.
1: It's enormously difficult to figure out where crypto Twitter ends and the real world begins if you are an active participant in both, I think. What's something that happened this year that you would never have predicted?
0: Never have predicted. Uh, I, can, I can give you a small example just from the Stacks ecosystem that uh, I think for us, like we were really motivated by making Bitcoin productive, making Bitcoin programmable. Uh, so our mainnet launch happened this year, tons of growth, but I never kind of like uh, was paying, I wasn't paying attention to Bitcoin NFTs, right? Like our lens was more around people would earn Bitcoin, people would be interested in like decentralized way of exchanging Bitcoin. And then Bitcoin NFTs just like organically emerged. And there were so many like marketplaces and Bitcoin culture started getting represented in these NFTs, right? So any Bitcoin culture thing that you can think of, like, you know, Citadels or uh, Bitcoin pizza or, you know, Faces of Satoshi, like artists basically started expressing themselves as Bitcoin NFTs through, through stacks. And that was like quite surprising for me. And then I started that was my entry entry point into nfts as well because this was happening within the stacks ecosystem so i started playing around with these things and i think i really started appreciating the power of nfts after i got my hands dirty and actually actually kind of like you know traded them started building connect, uh, collections and so on so that was that was something surprising that happened which was a very good surprise uh, in in
1: in the stacks ecosystem NYDIG sponsors this podcast, and they're integrating Bitcoin into everyday life, not only for Wall Street, but also for Main Street. Because Nidig is built for Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is built for everyone. Learn more at NYDIG.com slash NLW. That's NYDIG.com forward slash NLW. What's something that you're paying attention to right now that you think others should be paying more attention to, or that you're surprised that there's not more of a focus on?
0: I'm, I'm paying a, a bunch of attention to the increasing number of developers and the increasing number of uh, very serious entrepreneurs, like people who have actually built and sold startups before. They are now entering the, the crypto industry. And I think that's a very, very healthy sign. And I don't think that some of these things get enough attention, especially especially in the Bitcoin circles, right? Like if you if you look at the um, general discussion topics uh, in the Bitcoin circles, people are hardly ever talking about the number of developers that are building in the Bitcoin ecosystem. And I think that that should be a very very important discussion topic and a very very important uh, metric to track. If anything, this year. Uh, so many Bitcoin developers have actually basically announced that they're leaving, like Bitcoin core devs. I'm talking about general developers who are kind of like in the broader ecosystem and developing. But we are actually losing core developers in, in Bitcoin. And I think not enough people are paying uh, enough attention to this. Just this morning, we announced a small initiative to actually support uh, Bitcoin core development. And I think I think we need not just that... But we need to attract like a ton of more developers. And that that is a metric that doesn't get enough attention in the Bitcoin space.
1: Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I, I did a show on Bitcoin core developers leaving and what what might be behind that. But I think it is an important thing to uh, to hone in on. I also think whatever the answer is, it's an immensely solvable problem. So I think I am not overly pessimistic, but it does seem like something that's worth paying more attention to for sure let's talk market cycles. So I think a lot of people tried to figure out, is, was this year going to be a repeat of 2013? Was it going to be a repeat of 2017? How much does this sort of having based you know, four-year cycle uh, still characterize the industry? What's your take on all that? Are we in a super cycle? Is there just something completely new that doesn't have the right name or framing yet? What do you think about the, the market cycle and where we are in it? Yeah,
0: I, I really like this um, model from uh, Chris from Placeholder. He basically thinks that any early industry, people try to make sense of data and they come up with the models. But once enough people start believing in the models, the models actually become almost like self-fulfilling. So if you if you if you think about this, if enough people believe that crypto is cyclic and it's going to go in four-year cycles, they can make it happen, right? Like people can have like their positions that once you know Bitcoin whatever crosses 100k. Maybe so many people will sell that they would cause a crash. I think we're so early that the market sentiment could actually turn the markets, if that makes sense. I've, I've seen some discussion around supercycle. For me, the, the supercycle theory makes sense. If you think about it in terms of like, that's the escape velocity theory, right? That now you're actually going mainstream. And what, if you have crossed the chasm, and have touched mainstream, then maybe this cycle is going to look very different and, and the name that people are giving it is, is the super cycle.
1: I think it's fascinating. It's, I ask that question every interview because I think it's such a, everyone's trying to get their hands around it. Let's put it this way. I, the confidence interval that people kind of share with it, it, tends to be pretty low, which makes it a really fascinating place to dig into. What was the most important macro event, geopolitical or you know, macroeconomic, to shape Bitcoin or crypto this year?
0: I think some of the inflation numbers are insane, right? Like I, I liked Bitcoin even before some of the crazy stuff that happened, but some of the numbers, like you can't even believe it, right? Like, the, there's a stat that 80 percent of the dollars in circulation right now were printed in the last two years. I mean, that is just insane. Like if you, like I've seen graphs where the the dollar supply is like going up, going up, going up in the last two years. It's just like a hockey stick, right? It's just like going up like a hockey stick, and I do think that something big is going to happen as a reaction to such a big change in the world economy. And and Bitcoin is basically like the biggest hedge that you could really take against that, right? So I feel like I was interested in Bitcoin, like even before any of this happened. But now that this is happening, like even if I wasn't into Bitcoin, I would have been into Bitcoin by now.
1: Yeah, that is the story of a lot of folks, both who've been in the space but who have also come into the space in the last year, um, which sort of brings me to my next question. When the history books are written and the future looks back at what 2021 meant for Bitcoin specifically, what will be the story? What will have been the important thing? I think for this year, uh,
0: maybe like, you know, Taproot would get a mention, or at least I hope that it gets a mention. It was the first major upgrade of the Bitcoin network in the last three to four years. And interestingly it was a relatively pretty friendly upgrade and a very smooth one, right? Which actually goes to show that hey, Bitcoin can change a little bit. Like it's not gonna drastically change, but it can change change a little bit. I also think that the other interesting thing is how if you go back like five, six years, pretty much like any new blockchain was basically like a fork of Bitcoin and just using proof of work by default. This year, there's so many projects that have moved away from proof of work. Like the biggest one is basically Ethereum, obviously it's not live yet and it's in the pipeline, but they've made their plans pretty clear that they're moving away from proof of work and then some other projects like Zcash are looking into it, right? Which which I think like starts to differentiate Bitcoin and Bitcoin's relationship with energy a lot more than the rest of the industry. Which is a pretty sharp contrast now compared to like 3 4 years ago where proof of work was like the kind of like the dominant thing and everyone was doing it. And now Bitcoin is becoming more and more of an exception that uh, they, and, and it is doubling down on it, right? Like, I don't think that Bitcoin would ever move away from proof of work. If anything, it would differentiate Bitcoin security and Bitcoin's economic model a lot clearer uh, from from some of the other blockchains.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think this goes back to what we were talking about before, too, of different prioritization, different trade-offs leading to different use cases in the real world, too. What's something that you're pessimistic about for the next year? Uh,
0: in terms of being pessimistic, um, two things come to mind. One is there is going to be a bear market sooner or later. And I've, I've seen this before. I've seen this story like a couple of times before. That the, the young blood that gets into crypto every bull market, they're sometimes very quick to leave as well. And it's both both true for like some uh, developers entrepreneurs, but also like investors right right now, everyone's like scrambling to start their like web three slash crypto fund right and we've seen this story before where a lot of these people like call them like tourists or something like they get disappointed and they kind of like miss the real picture of like you know they're they're not mission driven they're not like driven by the love for creating a decentralized future they were following a trend and then the trend shifted. And, and I, don't, I don't know if you caught like uh, Brian Armstrong and uh, Fred Erson's story uh, when Coinbase went public, but they were describing these bear markets when 30% of the employees at Coinbase would just leave. Right. And and the, the type of morale hit that it, it takes for a company when, you know, that type of a downturn suddenly happens. So I think I am pessimistic about that because in, in many ways, the, the bigger the industry gets the ratio of the true believers to people who are just following a trend actually becomes worse in a certain way and and so that's that's one thing i'm a little bit pessimistic about the the other one that i'm hopeful but you know deep inside pessimistic is actually like the state of the 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 mainstream bitcoin community like i feel like they've really cornered themselves into a bubble at this point right like where they have very little interaction with the rest of the industry. They've become extremely closed minded. They're, they're even like cutting off their conferences and their Twitter spaces and their interactions to, hey, we are Bitcoin only. We are, they're like more, more maxi than, than the original Bitcoiners, right? So, and I think that trend is, is, a, is a little alarming. And I'm, I, I am a little bit pessimistic about it because once like, re- people start to become more radical, and then the only way to become part of the in-crowd is to one-up the other, right? Like, hey, I am even more radical than you, right? Like, if that becomes kind of like your, your score that, hey, you're going to rise up the ranks by showing how radical you are, uh, that's, that's not a healthy sign. And I think, I, I really hope that the Bitcoin community can break out of that bubble and return to the more truth-seeking, open-minded, uh, mission-driven type of values that, that, that we use to have more.
1: One thing that I will say is I've noticed a lot of, for the first time in a couple of years, a lot of new voices start to percolate who are trying to claim... Bitcoin for for their community in a way that hasn't that, that, that they view as underrepresented. So a lot of progressive Bitcoiners, a lot of LGBTQ Bitcoiners who are kind of unwilling. It's, they're seeing the same thing that you're describing, but they're saying, "Fuck it, I'm going to do this anyways, and I'm going to be a Bitcoiner whether you say I can be or not. Uh, not that I think most Bitcoiners would say that those people don't have a seat at the table, but I think it's a positive thing. Part of what makes Bitcoin great is its permissionlessness, right? The flip side is the positivity of seeing people uh, not being willing to let any calcification of the Bitcoin community be for them. So we'll see what happens. For sure.
0: Um, for sure. No, I, I 100% agree with that.
1: Yeah. let's. So let's flip the question though, and I, I almost started to, but what what's something you're optimistic for next year?
0: I do think
1: that I am
0: very optimistic of the young entrepreneurs who are entering the industry. And the kind of capital support that they're getting, it's, it's fascinating, right? Like, it feels so powerful when people who are currently working at, you know, the Googles and Facebooks of the world who come back and tell you that crypto and Web3 is like the hottest topic. All the engineers are intrigued by it. They're planning their exits. They would jump at opportunities at crypto startups. And I think that's like such an amazing sign. And I'm, I'm very, very optimistic about that.
1: What is, as we round out this conversation, one prediction you have for next year? Uh, I think
0: that we will
1: continue to see
0: more successful independent blockchains appear. Like, I don't, I don't, we're we are still in a growing market. Like, I'm basically predicting against consolidation. I don't think more consolidation is going to happen in the next year. If anything, we'll actually see more high-quality projects emerge and there will be more, more progress towards a multi-chain world than consolidation towards any single chain.
1: I can't wait to see how it all plays out. Munib, awesome to have you here, as always. Appreciate the time and look forward to, looking forward to seeing what you do in the new year as well. Awesome.
0: Thanks so much. Always fun to be back here.
1: So what do you think, guys? Are smart contracts on Bitcoin the future, NFTs on Bitcoin, DeFi on Bitcoin? Is this where we're headed? definitely going to be super interesting to see how this plays out and how entrepreneurs pick up the ball and run with it. I want to thank Muneeb again for joining the show today. And until tomorrow, be safe and take care of each other. Peace.